Hey, this is Alan. This is Brandon. And welcome to another episode of Dice Over Everything. So, so late- mm-hmm. yep, go for go for it. So lately, I tried out some Kings of War with one of our other wow. friends at fifteen. You went and saw you went and saw him during this- coronavirus. Naz pre-corona uh, lockdown. Oh, okay. Everything's all the time isn't passing anymore. Once you stay in the same like, seat for weeks straight, it's like time doesn't change. Yeah, it is so, true. I've like I think I've gone out once in the past week just to pick up some batteries, and that's it. Oh uh, well. Anyways, I've been in longer because I came down with a cold and I avoided my work and worked mm-hmm. from home. So, anyways, I've been in for two weeks. Well, I've been in for two weeks, but I've gone out. The, the week before this, I went to buy groceries like twice. So, mm-hmm. actually, I've been in in lockdown for like three weeks. <laughs> Gone out like five times. It's terrible, but actually kind of fun in some ways. Now it's like, it's it's, uh, kind of like a fun test, except without the fun part, where <laughs> where you're saying, oh, I wonder how long I could stay cooped up in my place and before I go stir crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like a test. Anyways, yeah, go on. Yep, so with the Kings of War, I'd never played it before. And yeah. we were playing it at, with his 15 millimeter models, which meant like there was a lot more battlefield to work with, or at least we didn't need such a big board, but the battlefield felt like much larger to maneuver with. And yeah. like it got had. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. Oh, that's, and you know what? That makes sense. Why would you do 15 millimeter if not for scale? Like being able to add a lot more. Just a Such lot a, more stuff yeah, on, on the board. Yeah, so yeah. like we've been playing a lot Wait. of. Mm-hmm. Uh, how big was the table? Uh, it's like a four by six, but fifteen millimeter. It's about 30, 24, 30 inches wide. I think we played oh, a larger. So you... We're playing on a larger board than you probably would have played with on a twenty-eight millimeter scale with a four of a board. Okay, so it's it was. Bigger than a four-foot board, but because you're playing at a smaller scale, you could fit it in a smaller area. Yes, we probably enlarged the deployment cool. zones, possibly. Cool. So, I mean, that game has a limited turn length, but yeah. we've been playing a lot of skirmish games lately. So, yep. like, what playing the games for skirmish often comes around to is, like, the abilities of the individual models. But then mm-hmm. just, like, putting the models on the table for this and the rules that have a lot to do with if you hit like if you charge from the front, you get extra. You can only charge basically forwards more or less. But if you hit guys from the mm-hmm. side, you get extra dice. You hit guys in the back, you get even more extra dice. So it comes down mm-hmm. to being a very maneuver-based game. It looked like I haven't played one of those in uh-huh. quite a while. So that, like it was really uh, contrast. I, I, if- I, I would I would argue that, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Go on. Yeah, but just like. As soon as I started putting the models on the board, I realized, oh, the whole battle plan of how like I'm going to move the troops around throughout the course of the entire game is yeah. going to like be determined first turn. I'll have to come up with some sort of battle strategy for like mm-hmm. what I'm gonna do with everything for the whole game. And then, you know, of course it starts falling apart as you play, but you've gotta have an overall yeah. like you had to have an overall plan when you went into it. Yeah. Everyone has you- a plan until you get punched in the face. Exactly. It's like this guy's going to do some flanking. These guys are going to like be the sacrificial lambs on the front lines and draw the fire. And this is going to be like my, suddenly, main, my main hit. And then your opponent does something you don't expect and all your plans are, have to change on the spot. 
It's great. Yeah, my garbage in the front didn't die. It got away, got in the way of all my good stuff from hitting him. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> and you're like, wait, this is supposed to be better, but it's kind of messing up my plan. Yep, you got to keep shooting away at me as my orcs mm. didn't get there quite as fast as they should have. Anyway, that's cool. So, so uh, in general, I guess the, the topic that we want to talk about is maneuvering uh, versus abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some more right? games, So you're saying that, yeah, the kings, of, yeah, the kings of war seem to focus more on like doing battlefield maneuvers. Because when you read a lot mm-hmm. about like historical battles, which I don't personally do, but like, a lot of people, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. You see it come up once in a while about like discussions of more like old school war, where like you have tactics where you try and flank your opponent, whether you try and mm-hmm. hole up and just let them like break themselves on your defensive position. Where you try and like pierce through the center of their army, there's all sorts of tactics yep. like that. I started reading about back when we were playing War Machine, because War mm-hmm. Machine, like, it it kind of matters that you're trying to control the battlefield in War Machine to achieve the objectives. So okay. when I was getting more into reading about War Machine tactics, you would hear about people talking about stuff mm. like that. So holding right. ground, the fact that when we started like playing missions where you have to hold a certain area. There's certain kind of ways that you can position your guys to make it more likely that you can hold the area in War Machine. Yeah, and ways to like maneuver to take out big chunks of their army really effectively, uh-huh. or you need to take mm. the chunk out, yeah. or or you've got to worry about defending the ground and what they might try and do to you. So, uh-huh. like War Machine has a bit of the element of the army tactics, but I think you were saying before that you see it more coming down to the individual models. Uh, yeah, because I feel like the abilities in War Machine are so over the top and so game-breaking and so, like, gamey that it actually what ends up mattering is the abilities on your units a lot more than where you position them on the battlefield. Like, there's definitely some positioning because, you know, the effects that all these units have generally have a range. But it's more, I feel like, about comboing off the abilities of these models in a certain way that your opponent doesn't expect. Yeah, you could kind of and, describe it as like magic cards put into the 2D tabletop format. Yeah, exactly. So the way I, I kind of break it down when I think about maneuvering uh, versus abilities is, like you said, the maneuvering is how much it, it might uh, model... Uh, well, be, how much, how important it is to where your units are positioned on the board, right? And of course, that comes a lot from you know the historical wars, right? Because positioning and everything like that, having um, those kind of tactics, that's where all of our kind of war game history kind of uh, before it became a lot of games. That's where it comes from, actual war, right? And we're all modeling, like whenever we play these miniature games, we're modeling these things, and of course. In an actual war, you're positioning whether you're on a hill, uh, whether you can flank the people, whether you can outflank, all that kind of stuff becomes is, is really important. And especially in history, it's not often that um, a an ability of a unit gives one side so much of a superior advantage, at least in historical times, right? In like ancients and stuff like that. Like if some guy, if some people had better armor they wouldn't have such better armor that they're unbreakable 
to yeah, other like people. The battles right? you think actually matter, the people had to be on sort of an even footing. I guess there's probably plenty yeah. of uneven footing battles where <laughs> nobody true. even cared what happened. Like, oh, they showed yeah. up with armor and a cavalry division, and then we had some uh, we had some spears, uh, and then we then we just yeah. dropped them and ran away. Yeah, exactly. We had, we had some sticks and, and axes and like like uh, wood axes, and that's all we had. And then exactly, they lost and gave up. So in general, when you look at them, it's usually the things that we think about when we think about war are sides that are, in terms of, they might have different types of uh, equipment, but they're roughly, they have equivalent technologies, which is kind of where these kind of abilities come from, right? That, that what, that's what abilities in, the ga- in our games try to model, right? The, yeah. the different weapons, equipment, and stuff like that. But historically, they've been roughly even. Right. Even if someone has a technological advantage, it's not going to be like, like you said, like in our, in the war games that we're trying to model and the, the important battles, it's, it's generally hasn't been huge. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so we're both sides to side. Um, it's worth fighting. So. Yeah. And so usually when they talk about it, it's like tactics and things like that, that it comes down to or logistics, right? A lot of wars came down to just who can muster more people and who can yep. sustain the war for longer. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, that person not exciting. So <laughs> it's harder to model on the battlefield. It's yeah. like, all right, we both roll a d6, and that's how many units we can bring on the table. <laughs> oh, I roll a six, you roll the one, I win. Oh, it looks like my resource manager was better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, there are games that do that, but it's just not war games. Um, so uh, I feel like that w- when you have games that try to model that, that's uh that's what i feel like they're trying to model right mm-hmm. uh when they try to emphasize maneuvering and things like that and maneuvering is not just like it's it's battlefield positioning taking care of the terrain and stuff like that so and then the other side i feel like is abilities it's almost more gamey and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because we're literally playing games right like you said we're both you and i we're not super into the historical aspect of the games we play it's more really about so. the storytelling, and there's something fun. It's like a difference. Like abilities is a fun way to tell a story as well. It's not necessarily about the tactics that you do, but it can still tell a story when you say that uh, my character had a super shield that deflects all of all arrows, and you brought all archers, so I was able to my my one super shield guy was able to get in there and kill all your guys, right? So yeah, it so still like a tells story. a story. It's like a personal story right yeah. there about what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the personal story is like about f- the, the models on the board. It's not you that the story is about. It's about your model being awesome. Or yeah, about exactly. maybe sometimes so, just like losing instantly and it was a complete fail, even though it's like your most expensive best piece. Yeah. So even though I would say that it's more, maybe it's not more gamey the way I explained it. It's like, uh, it's just a different way of telling a story, right? Um, and then, but the way I kind of think about it is the more, when, when a game ends up being more about abilities, the more it is like Magic the Gathering, more, the more like it is like a card game, more it is like, and I'm not saying that card, card games can be very evocative, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and and, and themey, um, but they generally don't because it's all so super abstracted where your characters are on the battlefield the the kind of battlefield tactics they use don't really matter and so whenever i compare a game i'm just like well how much does abilities matter well 
how much of the game is like Magic the Gathering or or some other kind of card game, or and how much of it is uh, maneuvering and battlefield tactics? And the and personally, uh, just just one more thing uh, before I'll I'll let you speak. <laughs> uh, personally, I like the battlefield tactics uh, portion a lot because exactly because I don't think that's I think. I don't think that's modeled in most other games. Uh, so for wargaming, it's kind of positioning on the board is kind of unique to the wargaming uh, hobby. Yep, for sure. That like somebody else can walk up and sort of understand what's going on just based on where everything's positioned. Mm-hmm. And, so, and positioning mm-hmm. on the table. Yep, go on. Yeah, so I think I what, said that that's less thing. So yeah, so I think what really makes the games different is like how or what one of the big dividing factors is how you differentiate the facing or how the game deals with the facing of the models on the table. Like we go back to uh-huh. Frostgrave a lot that all the models there don't have facing at all, which is great because it makes the gameplay really quickly, but you don't mm-hmm. worry quite so much about building up like a, a front for your army. Of course you don't want your guys to get surrounded in that game. So there is a mechanic about mm-hmm. positioning where you don't want your yeah. guys to get swarmed and putting your guys like, having them shoulder to shoulder is good to stop that, but it's not one of the yeah. biggest aspects of the game. Cause they literally, if you hit them in the back, eh, they, they still fight back. They don't, they don't forget to, to retaliate. Yeah. So, so that, that is with regards to Malie, but actually positioning matters a lot when you add in terrain because oh. of the cover mechanic. Mm-hmm. So you're harder to hurt if you're positioned uh, behind um, terrain and in that case you could say that that's modeling so with most, actual so with most battles games, right? like the terrain yeah. matters so it's it's not one of the, the biggest things that I would say differentiates between a really maneuvers based mm. game and an abilities based game is the terrain because I think if there's I no terrain on the board it's not even a, it's not even a war game <laughs> like it's, it's, that's a bare what happens I'm if just, it's 2D terrain the people are just sad playing the game. I mean, it does something <laughs> in the game, but those people are just sad. Not yeah, anymore. they're obviously much sadder. They would definitely be happier if they played with 3D terrain. Yes, they would. Um, but I think that the actually your point uh, in some ways is true, but it also indicates that all most war games, maneuvering actually does matter, right? That's yeah, a, other, a big otherwise part of most war games. Game. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like maneuvering is almost critical to to being a war game. And so the terrain mattering and getting cover, I think, is uh, very is actually one of the fundamental portions of these kind of war games that we play, right? Yeah, so and it's one of the things that makes it interesting. So the games yeah. can all treat it differently. Like if you get a massive bonus where the chance of you dying if you're yeah. in cover gets cut in half, like that's mm-hmm. that makes the terrain pretty important but if you maybe yep. get like a two, one out of 20 a d20 change and you get like the number of changes by one on your defense five so percent like, change yeah it's like a five percent change like yeah i'll take it into account but it's not gonna it's mm-hmm. not gonna make a big effect whereas if you get like a 50 like a three and up armor save from the terrain you're like uh-huh. oh okay this is a big deal now so depending on how the game designers treat the terrain it starts to change around yeah. how much your maneuvering so it's, matters it's really so the reason why i i wanted to say that you had you had played maneuvering games uh, is because I think Infinity, which is you know one if not our favorite game, yep. um, maneuvering 
really matters. Now it yeah. doesn't. Now the thing, interesting thing about Divinity is it doesn't take a historical aspect, uh, uh, a, a historical viewpoint on gameplay. There's, you wouldn't say Infinity models. It, it takes more of a movie. reality. No, it takes more of a yes. movie view on exactly. Combat. So it takes more of a movie view. But actually, if you're talking about what matters the most, maneuvering is critical for the game. Oh, absolutely! You have to put up good defenses around your entire. Mm army otherwise one can like flank you easily yeah or if you just send one thing to defend the main objective that's yeah it's not and I, anything and it's going down one of the main things the, the the reason why i know this is like one of the main things that uh excited me about the game is i had never seen flanking done so well uh in a in any game really as i had with uh infinity because they have this mechanic where you can move one guy in a turn like multiple times at the expense of not moving another guy, right? Because you, you get orders, right? Uh, it allows someone who doesn't had it positioned their guys well to cover all the flanks. It means that they will just collapse if they haven't well, can done get that. in behind your army and just start shooting people in the back. Yes. Exactly, which feels... Yeah, facing matters, uh, positioning really matters, uh, and it, it felt it felt like where you put your guys and how you defended actually ended up mattering. Whereas a lot of the times when I played like War Machine or the more traditional ways, um, it was more like I don't know, moving line. I don't, it was more like a target selection I found. We're like, okay, I need to take this target out to remove this combo, or maybe this thing's mm. soft, so I have this thing is good, good to kill it here right now, and my, this unit's probably yeah. going to get killed later, so I'll just make use of it now. It's more like a target prioritization yeah. thing I found. Yeah, because hitting because most of the miniatures games that we played, like ramming some guy, like ramming your miniatures, because it's like I attack and you attack a lot, of, like War Machine and stuff like that, or in in 40k where it's shooting. Uh, you can just, oftentimes the best thing for you to do is just to move forward and then shoot. Yeah, or shoot move whatever forward you're attack, most worried about. Right? You're like, oh, I'm worried about this thing. Okay, you just kill whatever you're worried about. Yeah, and, because ever, or, and you just move forward and do the most direct thing possible because you're just trying to uh, attack them, right? And all that matters is you're able to attack them and attack them with the right abilities and things in the right order, right? Yep. Um, and so it often came down to the combos that you could do. And in, I think in 40K, it's almost, it, positioning matters even less. And it's more almost about unit selection on army building in 40K. Yeah. And I'm not, obviously you get an edge if you know how to play the battlefield, but like a lot more of the game is decided on army unit selection. And then target army selection. Building. Yeah, yeah when I no, see just, play just unit build, just army building uh, yeah, than in most other games. Yeah, when I see people play at the store, it's like, has your army moved? They're like, well, no, some things have died, but we haven't really moved. Well, also everyone has super long range, right, as well. Yep. Yeah, and so, and also the, the terrain in 40K, they removed the, in a roundabout way, they made terrain unless it's fully line of sight blocking useless. So 
Yeah, so it kind of warped the entire, like it's so much less, it's modeling so much less of actual like anything. <laughs> uh, it's know, basically I like know. a shooting gallery uh, with some, and, and, and to, to make it less a shooting gallery, everyone had to, they had to make all this new terrain that was super big and giant just so that it could block complete line of sight so terrain guys. actually matters yeah, exactly a unit of 20 guys because if you can see the person then it doesn't matter right <laughs> whether yeah. the terrain is there or not so like oh okay so now this terrain has to be giant for it to matter and then it does matter right because then you can't shoot the guy um so that in and of itself was i don't know to me that is like even though War Machine, you could say that the combos matter a lot more because of what we talked about, like how if you don't know the combo that your opponent has and you move into range, then you could just lose. Mm-hmm. I felt like when you play 40k, because there's not even the those don't exist. The army tactics aren't a big deal. You're like, what are we even doing? Yeah, like even though any one ability isn't going to win you the game in general, there are certain ones that do combos, like certain combos that do win you the game. Um, but uh, there's no None of it is even like modified really by space. It's not not. It's much less modified by spacing and range than it is in War Machine. So at least War Machine because of spacing and range and also terrain matters significantly in War Machine. Yes, it does. Until they got, started giving way too many guys Pathfinder. Oh, yeah. I was going to say this. Like, like, it slows yeah. your guys down. But I'm like, oh, yeah. Then, they, then people just didn't play with units that got slowed down by that terrain. Yeah, because Pathfinder was too cheap or because they're like, well, if you don't have terrain, then Pathfinder is useless. So I guess we'll make sure Pathfinder is not too expensive. But if there is terrain, Pathfinder is way too good because it just lets you ignore terrain. <laughs> so they kind of got, I don't know, the level wrong. They got the balance somehow. off. Oh, well. Yeah, the, the balance was off. Oh, I, I, yeah. Um, so, so maybe we just explained why 40K is not that good of a game. One of many different things, but you know, in a roundabout way, we always come back to that. It's kind of sad because it's turned really nice lately. I I feel like that's also why uh, third edition, when we played Mm -hmm. third edition, it was better. Yeah, because the terrain rules were really strong there. Yeah, the terrain rules were much stronger. Uh, Just the five and up and vulnerable save, and the way that interact. Like one of the biggest issues is is the save. How it how cover interacts with saves in forty k proper. It was just, it didn't work because they also gave people way too much AP. Like there's too much AP weapons. People take too much AP because armor value is like so important. So yeah, it was just, it was just messy. Yep. So back to infinity and like the fact that position your guys matters a lot. Like it kind of sort yep. of models reality where you actually want lay, like lay mines, have guys with flamethrowers that will respond on your front lines <laughs> to stop guys from piercing uh, through. Flamethrower, okay, I guess. If flamethrowers were illegal in war, I guess it would model real yeah. war. Yeah, it would. Right, hey, if you want to yeah. win. If it wasn't against the Geneva Convention. Yes, well, if you could back up your mind <laughs> in our war, I'm sure yeah. they'd let it come back, back. Back into, what was it, the last time was World War Two. No, before that, World War One. Yeah, sure. They didn't use flamethrowers in World War Two, right? Because it was already it was already banned, I think. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> well, because fire, we didn't. You go can firebomb cities, but totally don't I turn think, the fire on to, to one person individually. Uh, yeah, I guess it was too gruesome. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, you could throw a grenade into a hut that kills everyone, but if you use a flamethrower, that's that's too much. And you can drop napalm from planes. Yeah. I, I wonder if napalm was allowed because it was not technically fire. Mm. A flamethrower. They're like technically it's not it's not a flamethrower. Just if it gets on you, it'll burn forever and then kill you. Yeah. Um so back to that. What has started bothering me lately is that like drop troops actually circumvent that whole thing. This is in infinity. This is infinity, Come correct. Infinity. And drop troop, by drop troops, I mean guys that come right from the sky. And uh-huh. they've made the rules fairly easy to get your guy right where they want them. So you can sort of uh-huh. circumvent your opponent's whole, like all the defenses they've built up to have like lines of like the disposable guys on the front, your heavy hitters sort of trying to guard long range and lay mines. So like, oh, they just built a mechanic that goes around that. And it's really for the oh, points. I like I don't, it. I know. But for the points, I'm not sure it's expensive enough. Because mm. I find I can, you can do some yeah. disgustingly effective things with it that like all your opponent's best laid plans are ruined. And like the whole point of these maneuver-based games is you want to have yeah. fun. Like, oh, I really positioned my army really well to win this. But then when people have a cheap way to just ignore the whole thing, I'm like, oh, maybe this is actually detracting from the game. Interesting. I actually thought the opposite. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you have drop troops because it makes you... So, so the way I think about drop troops is the idea that you've invested a guy before the battle. You invested a guy like before the battle whose job is to outflank and attack the opponent in the flank, right? And so it does make you, it does add an extra level of how you're positioning your guys to always be thinking about, hey, did my opponent before the battle start, send a guy to outflank me. So the thing is, and so like I even, like the fact that you have to think flanking, about that. Though. Like flank, if there was only the flanking version, like rather than the drop in the middle of their army version, then mm-hmm. like it's more possible to guard against like your flanks. You know, might be a problem, so you guard the flanks. But in the case uh-huh. of some, a lot of the drop troops, they just appear inside of your army rather than on the flanks. And as you said, it's like an investment to be able to pull this off. But I think the cost mm. of getting the investment versus the likely payoff. Like the upfront investment cost, they didn't make quite so, high enough. So I think the way that they tried to balance, not they tried, they did balance it out, in my mm-hmm. opinion, is they made it variable of even getting your flank off. But I think yeah. you're right in some ways in that um, if you hit, so you have to make a roll to be able to flank the guy, otherwise you fail, right? Mm-hmm. And so... If you hit that roll, it it can it it's devastating. Yeah, but the rolls aren't except for the fact that not that difficult. Uh, it's like seventy five percent. It's like sixty to seventy five percent, or fifty yeah. fifty five fifty five to seventy five percent. And so, um, yeah, but it it costs money to do not money points in the game to do. And that is somewhat balancing. And I think it does make you worry about whether you left a guy, or left a spot open. Um, so I actually... Yeah, just like the points aren't high enough. That's the only, the only gripe. Um, but but the, the issue is that it's when it hits, it's only happening 75% of the time. Mm-hmm. So you could say that... So I I don't think necessarily think that if like the effectiveness in the game because it only happens 75% of the time 
it's really effective when it happens, but you also have to take into account that 25% of the time it doesn't happen. So you have to like basically multiply whatever kind of effect it has on the game by 0.75. And I could see the argument that because it's so, it swings the thing so much. So it can be so devastatingly effective that like it should have a yeah, it's really almost high points like, cost for being able to devastate your opponent. But make it, I, I could see the argument of making it higher points cost but or making it more random. higher both no no the other way around higher points cost but higher chance to land in which case your opponent needs to expect it but then they i like i like having to expect it because it does mean you have to cover all of the areas where a drop troop could land and, or where they could have been right and the i and so it is it doesn't necessarily model real like current war because could someone really fall from the sky and land in a small area and kind of fight you? Yeah, so, it feels like it kind of detracts from the realism a little bit. And, and you gonna... also have to see the reason why it's become so good is because you used to need a pie plate area to be able to land, right? And there yeah. are not a lot of those areas. And in fact, when you know that they can only land in those pie plate areas, you and can that position can't your... intersect any terrain. So it's yeah. So you would have to place it. There's only a certain number of spots on the table that you can land, and so your enemy like you could... couldn't land in tight alleys. You can't land on top mm-hmm. of buildings often unless it's a really big building. You yeah. can't land behind a garbage can and just emerge from behind a garbage can. But at that point, it was too expensive. Yep. No one uh, used airdrop troops. No, I. I... They were only using the best airdrop troops. so They didn't use it to drop. They always would walk on. So you actually would, yeah. didn't. Which I think that's fine. So that was actually fine. Because then now it goes as a flanker. It's like a true flanker coming on the sides. Uh-huh. Like it was worth so you would cost. say, if it was up to you, you would rather have them be able to flank. But if they... You know what? That makes some sense. It would be interesting if... Level so so in infinity. This is a little bit just about infinity, but like if the first level is you have to choose a spot where you can flank. The second level is so before the game mm-hmm. starts. The second level is you can choose it when the game starts, and you can choose anywhere up to the enemy's deployment zone. I would say if they made the third level, you can go on any any board that is not the back edge of your enemy's deployment zone and then the fourth level would be the back edge of your enemy's deployment zone which is uh van yeah, which is just like special characters can do this crazy yeah, maneuver mm-hmm. but i still think you should be able to walk in on your opponent's uh flanks of their like i think it's very interesting when they can walk in your your deployment zone on the side yeah, that's that still models something realistic. The the dropping from the sky into little tiny alleys is, even though I play with that stuff, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is this is kind of bypassing. Are you playing an of... indoor board? Yeah, that too. Yep. Sorry, yeah. Say but, it again. But it kind of bypasses the whole like, the cool thing about being war, about playing a war game is that you're like modeling the maneuvers mm. on the board. But when there's mechanics that totally like. Yeah, where where the guys like you can make a good ring. Right where all your guns are facing outwards, and then they can drop a guy right in the middle of where your ring, and then kill everyone yeah. on the inside. Yeah, that doesn't quite model, model classic war. Usually, you don't like catapult yes, your troops 
into their lines. But if you have a drop troop, technically it could model future war, in which case you need to have another guy that's facing inside. I, I can agree. I can, I can see what you're saying where it kind of detracts from... Because you want those really... You want to play with tight terrain in games like that. And like Infinity plays nicely with really tight terrain, whereas other games play with I think that's terrain. the reason why the drop the, with the circle, the pie plate, wasn't working. It's because people had too much terrain everywhere, in which case you couldn't drop. Yeah. Anyhow. So I wonder if like the better rule would have been to use the pie plate, but ignore scatter terrain. So you can put the pie plate anywhere. Uh, there is one level of terrain, ignoring like, like, lamp posts or walls or things like that. Like terrain that's any terrain that's bigger than two inches in any dimension, maybe because two inches is a common thing to measure. In yeah, community. ignoring walls and lines and things like that. So you could, as long as the general plane is the same area, you could drop there. So you could land on the top of the building, assuming that your pie plate can land, yeah. or you can land on the ground assuming the pipe can, can land, but you can't land in a spot where... Yeah, because uh, you don't want to scourge scatter terrain. Scatter terrain just makes the thing have much more fuel. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I could, I could see how, how that is interesting. And I, I, so, yeah. It's a hard rule to write because you've got to make players differentiate between types of terrain. Yeah, whereas the game, and then it's hard, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Maybe it would be better if you removed it entirely. Anyhow, so that's just about bypassing the maneuvers thing. So as we talked about War Machine, we talked about Frostgrave, where it sort of matters on the lower, lower end, because you oh. guys literally have no facing. But then when it came to like the Kings of War, it's like, okay, you hit a guy from the side and you completely devastate them. So you start to worry so about like your whole battle plan in advance, whether you're going to like try and push through the middle of their army, whether you're going to try and like flank their army. And like learning all so, those tactics starts to matter. Um, oh, and the fact that like I'm guys not sure like overemphasizing getting hit in the back. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think you necessarily need to have facing to make uh, maneuvering matter a lot. Like because uh, I, I think for terrain. <laughs> yeah. So so. If shooting and if, if cover, like we talked about in 40K, 3rd edition and stuff like that, when cover matters a lot where it gives you a save or a benefit or things like that, um, it can be a big deal, right? Oh, yeah. And it could, and so you don't necessarily need the full facing uh, to matter because assuming you can attack a guy from behind or, or, or maybe you need to, to, to get into close combat to avoid the terrain, assume it, uh, uh, to negate the bonus of the terrain, or just like I don't shoot them at all because they're hiding behind like a complete yeah. building. Mm -hmm. Exactly, you can shoot them at all, or you can shoot them without them having some sort of terrain bonus. I think that can be a huge deal depending on what your the rules of your game are. Right mm -hmm. um, when we look at the and and when we look at uh, the game that simple game that that we've been working on, skirmish fight, we did talk about at whether we should add. Uh, facing and part of the reason why we didn't is just complication yeah but just part the sheer of it time is... to position all the models goes up because now you've got to worry yeah. about if the model is going to like you have to like mm -hmm. tweak every guy after you move him rather than be like oh, I'd moved him yeah. done so facing we decided to not go with facing 
But when we played it, because shooting matters, terrain ended up mattering a lot. But even in close combat, because you have push a pushing mechanic where if you get pushed against terrain, you kind of uh, take extra uh, wounds. Even though we did, didn't have a facing um, maneuvering, you don't want to get surrounded. You don't want to get surrounded or cornered or anything like that. Yeah. And if you get attacked uh, by range when you don't have cover, it's a significant issue because everything's shooting on D6. So even one, yeah. one difference in the dice yeah. is a big deal. Plus one is 15%, right? Or mm-hmm. 18%, 18%. So that's a big change for every attack, right? So I felt like, I, like yeah, we could make maneuvering even more important, but with that and then with the um, missions that always end up affecting things, I thought it, it ends up being significant, right? Yeah, we also added the flank ability that some of the units give a bonus that when mm-hmm. you've got more than one combatant in base-to-base contact mm-hmm. with the enemy, you get another one bonus there. So, so here's my of... question. Mm-hmm. Is that positioning or is that an ability? Is that maneuvering or an ability? So to pull off the ability, it matters about your maneuvering because if your opponent decides to fight, like if they surround you first, you don't get the ability. Uh-huh. Or uh-huh. if you like fight in small corridors, the ability is not going off as much. So it leads to like, to... yeah. Yeah, if you're, instead of, like if you can get them to come towards you so you can... You jump them first. Like, you jump them first and that gives you a bonus. Yep. So it's it's an in between one, but it it makes yeah. the positioning matter to to a degree. So I, in some ways, we're saying that there are abilities that instead of just being like an entirely different uh, thing, like it is in magic, right? Where it's just an ability, whether you have it or not, and whether it can apply or not, uh, there are certain abilities that can help reinforce maneuvering. Like, for example, the, in Infinity, like, in, like we, we were talking about flanking, right? You have a bonus for attacking multiple guys at the same time. Or when we're talking about Infinity, where uh, you have characters that can come in from the side, which helps reinforce whether or not you uh, position your guys in the right spots, right? So yep. maneuvering where you place your guys, and instead of being another track where you kind of divide the person's focus, it helps emphasize how important, how important positioning and maneuvering is in the game. Yeah. Cause often in Fendi, I find I just want to keep all my guys on a rooftop because the mechanics in that game are, if a regular guy just climbs over the edge of the roof, he can't shoot uh-huh. at the same time. So he's probably gonna get his face blasted off. Even if it's a really good guy, if several little mm-hmm. people just like start pelting him, it could be game over for him. So hiding yep. on roofs is a big thing in Infinity, or if there's a stairwell, just putting someone with like a flamethrower or some other template weapon or a shotgun mm-hmm. or something to hit them first. So they have to think mm-hmm. twice about whether they want to like make a run on your your guys who just kind of provide your order batteries. Yeah. Unless they can get behind you and then climb up in climb up where your guy's hiding and shoot him in the back. Or they throw smoke and then climb through the smoke. Yes. There's, yeah. there's lots of ways of getting around it, but you don't want like some cheap basic guy to just like break your whole army because they got around. You got to make it tough. But it's interesting that you you can. I think without being able to, it's it ends up being too too rigid. I don't know, like too rigid. Like there's some things in positioning. Like I guess that's part of why 
miniature games have d6s right like it's there's an odds of things happening because positioning can't be everything otherwise everything becomes too discreet right and in some ways the fact that you have um an odds of something taking effect like you have to roll a d6 and you have to roll a three and up let's say or four and up to wound a guy yeah. um so if there's only one dice going on you can have pretty random outcomes yeah and it, it yeah but let's but say you had all, to roll like 25 dice for that outcome now the outcome starts to be more there's a more likely outcome range uh yeah it becomes more average about mm-hmm. how you roll it yeah so um in, so in Kings of War, you often do the bucket of dice thing. Uh-huh. So that like getting that dice? bigger, oh, it can go up to like 40 when you flank a guy hard Ooh. or even higher. Okay. So uh-huh. if like, say you hit him from the front, you get 20 dice. You hit him from the side, you get 40 dice. Now, what happens when you hit him from the back? Uh, the, yeah, there's a lot of dice. It's even more? Yeah. There's front, side, and then back as well? 40 dice isn't enough? Might as well just say they're dead. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, so you when you do things behind, do they automatically die? Yeah, that that's what they made. Like they're like positioning is everything in this game apparently. So maneuvering okay. that game matters a lot because they just like if you maneuvered this way, you just win. Yeah. Even so. even the peasants with the uh, sticks and stones can beat the guys with fully armored plate if they hit them from behind. Uh, they, they don't start with a bucket of dice. So the bucket doesn't get that much bigger. Okay, so it's stretching it. Yeah. So, so armor still matters in it. Yeah. But, but no, there's no peasants. I get it. Are there peasants in the game? Yeah, there's crummy guys. But okay, you can you can run around with a bunch of hobbits. Yes, I didn't I didn't read the army for the hobbits that much, but okay, there. but there is a hobbit army. Yes. So games that do okay. things like that, I would say, are highly like dependent on your battlefield maneuvering uh-huh so yeah i guess i guess the the reasoning is uh i think we we went through a little bit we touched on it how abilities can be fun and thematic and almost make it feel like a story about a person who's like the kind of stories we tell ourselves after uh, someone overcomes something where we say oh uh you know, uh, let's say, I don't know. What's it's like his sports, name? There's like sports analogies. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in, in The Hobbit, you have the archer guy who kills Smog, right? He was like, oh, they were facing off, except the archer guy had a bonus of knowing, of, of hearing the weakness of Smog. Smog was invincible because he had super good armor, right? And he had flamethrower breath. But the archer... Well, first of all, he could actually attack Smog because he's an archer. And then on top of that, he knew the one weakness of Smog. So he was able to defeat Smog, right? So he could that roll the storytelling. He could roll the two twenties yeah. at once. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And oh no, he did it. Because he Oh he missed the really first good archer. Mm-hmm. He's a really good archer. And he knew the weakness of Smog. And Smog's weakness was actually a big weakness if you know it. But you also have to be have the ability to actually hit the weakness, right? Yes, it's kind so of like a special weapon things. almost. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, yeah. So in in game terms, it would be what is what was the guy's name who kills Smog, in oh, Hobbit, whatever. The guy's name. Uh, it's like he had like one guy took the tech of like super tough dragon, right? 
and it's super armor, invincible. And then the opponent said, well, yeah, but I took... Ignore armor. Counter dragon. <laughs> I took ignore armor. Ignored, I, I, I took dragon slayer, where it's no matter what armor it is, I'll just kill you if I hit you, right? And so, but that game plan, that kind of, not the game plan, the story that comes out of that is very thematic and fun and exciting. Yeah, where you've um, got the one ability that counters their ability. You're like, oh, I yeah. brought the one, your one weakness. Yes, it's like, exactly. oh, you have super high armor? That's okay. I'm just going to send this like garbage close combat guy into your back, and now you can never defeat him because you'll be flailing away at him. But he's invincible to the guys you brought. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, you basically you can fight him in close combat. You might not kill him, but you're like, oh, you can never get away. I have tied you, tied you down. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's... Yeah, so I feel like the abilities, the ability kind of theme is interesting and, and, and can add this like individuality, like you said, to the actual characters that you're playing. Um, the tactics adds obviously a lot of story and history, but it's often um, about not the units that are on the table, but you as a general. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, it's basically, Where it's, it's like, like my command ability is what brought this this thing home. Mm-hmm. Where like oh, I yeah. didn't bring any special weapons; nothing really special happened. But like, I used like my basic tools and I won. Uh huh. And yeah, I was able to see a weakness that sh- that that my opponent left, and my armies were able to cap, even though they were so much weaker or whatever. Maybe they're not the weaker, and I was able to capitalize on the weakness that they did. And so I feel like. The game works, some, just works on more ways, levels that way? To have both, I think. I think my favorite games, right? I'm not saying one is better than the other. There are two different ways to gain enjoyment. But I think my favorite games have both, where you get some of the story and you also have the maneuvering the and positioning matter. And then the third thing, which we didn't really talk about or, or, or just touched on, is the randomness, where the, whether or not luck is on your side, right? And you ha- having all three of those together in the game is kind of what makes, in my opinion, this uh, these war games, yeah, so fun and so evocative when you play it, right? So you're saying, uh, my guys were the direct counter or to the opponent, but my opponents uh, outflanked me. But then I was super lucky. <laughs> Yes. And they somehow they missed the all their odds, shots. They missed to, all yeah. their shots on me, so I turned my guys around and just like crushed. Them. And I was able to rout them. Right, that's the kind of story that like makes things so exciting and, and fun. Right, and that's that's what I look for in a game. And that's why I feel like so it's your general about our game. It's how good you are yeah. as a general versus like your opponent is how good of a general he was, but then like how good your troops were too. Even though they're, they're not how, real troops, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do. yeah, and how how that kind of themed into into the story about how who they were and how they were able to overcome those things and how that affected the battle, and then included with how lucky they were in the end, right? And I like having all those things affecting the battle, and I think that makes it feel I don't know exciting and fun in a storytelling kind of way. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up, isn't it? 
we could talk uh, about yeah. lots, lots more games where they fit on sort of the spectrum, but I think we mm-hmm. went through a nice range of them and insulted yeah, 40k so. along the way. <laughs> yeah, and and I guess one one last thing I would I would want want to know is does this talk kind of make you think about a uh, skirmish fight and how and whether or not we have that balance uh, in the in in those three things maneuvering abilities and uh, and luck. So obviously that's more of like a just long discussion for later that everybody else might not listen to. But I think that maybe for the campaign portion, that being able to give the individuals like more flavor by giving them mm-hmm. like having them gain items, abilities and stuff throughout the course of the game, just like uh-huh. feel like they're developing as a person, just like if you're reading a book that someone uh-huh. would develop as a character that to yeah. build that into the single player campaign, but maybe not so much for the one versus one because a one versus yeah, one, I feel you've got like the whole general You want more generalship to, to matter more. And like when you have a single player game, I can, I can see exactly what you're saying. Like when you have a single player game, general, generalship, like maneuvering, um, it shouldn't be the biggest thing really. Cause it, it can't it, be it, the biggest thing because no, you're just encouraged. You don't have another system. general. Exactly. Well, it's not necessarily like gaming the system, but like you're you don't have an opponent to to match wits with, right? Yes, exactly. And so the only way that you can use your generalship is if we set up a scenario that forces you to react in a certain way, and it ends up becoming a puzzle, right? Because the generalship, the maneuvering, the movement, and stuff like that, it matters um, only. It, it has to matter about it has to be a response to the problems that you've been put in, right? Yeah, but obviously, as you said, there's so, no other opponents. So you don't really, that, you don't get so, the yeah, same feeling of there not being a it can't be reactive across the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you could, ha- it, it does end up being like, if you, if you set the person up in a, in a dicey situation mm-hmm. and they have to use maneuvering and things like that to overcome it, um, that could definitely that's definitely important still for even a single player game but oftentimes it can become puzzly right whereas where once you've solved the puzzle because the puzzle doesn't react to the fact that you solved it mm-hmm. it can't if you know the solution it can't react no that to becomes the fact that you less exciting but yeah. but what happens to but your that's, guys that's may what randomness, to you. mm-hmm. yeah exactly and that's also what mad, why randomness helps inject uh the generalship in even a single player game, right? Because sometimes like when things are good, you just steamroll, right? But when things are bad, suddenly generalship matters because, or, or maneuvering and positioning and can, can matter because you're down, right? And sometimes you have to know you have how to decide what to sacrifice, game. decide when to retreat. Yeah, exactly. And that's when the game, that, that's when the games really uh, become super fun. Uh-huh. And I so, do like the like in a game like Rangers of Shadow Deep in single player, where you think you're doing really well, and then because in Rangers of Shadow Deep you get it's like a choose your own adventure, right? You get so, like halfway through the game, you get an event that could change everything, right? And suddenly you yeah. thought you were doing really well, but that was because you didn't know this new twist was coming. Yeah, and the, the same twist time, the twist doesn't always come, so it's a cool. Yeah, that's it true. Has that gambling that's right. feeling to it. Yeah, it's, so so even though I feel like in single player games, even though it's random, and and so you could just as easily get 
a super easy mission as you get a hard mission. Um, it's overall, it becomes okay. It becomes actually super fun because like you're saying, gambling, when the, you, you kind of just ignore when everything goes your way. And when things go really hard, that's when you get tested. And that's when the really fun things in the that's game true. happen. No, like with, it's like with paradox war right? game, like it's the game where you and your opponent are in that super tight, super tight yeah. battle. Those are the ones you remember. The ones where you're just like, oh yeah, he just wiped my guys. That's yeah. it. There's no story. Or, or the other way around. I just, I just steamrolled them. I steamrolled them and then it's no fun. Yeah, it's yeah, like, those aren't the memorable ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's when you have to put in the effort. Yep. All, All right. right. That's our that's our thoughts on the two yeah. ranges of abilities two ways versus, to separate, I guess, battlefield yeah. tactics that come at all all war games basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm surprised because when we started, we I think both of us were more into maneuvering, right? Where where we kind of intuited that in, that the maneuvering positioning we liked that more. But after talking about it, I think. I kind of have a, a newfound respect for the ability portion of uh, the game of the games we play. Yeah, and how important playing, it is to the actual way. Yeah, after playing Kings War, I'm like, okay, I know I know more of why I like the more individual games after playing this. Mm. So it's always good to try something All else. Right. Just remember why you like what you like. Yeah. All right. So if you have any. Uh, Thoughts on maneuvering abilities, your favorite games that use one or that emphasize one or the other, hit us up. If you think that 40k 8th edition is like totally maneuvering totally matters and we're giving it too much flack, yeah, come and come and shout at us. We we welcome your hatred <laughs> or anger. <Yes. laughs> Tell other 40k right? players how to play the game right. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. All right, one more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us, or just get in touch with us at Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. All right. Bye. Bye.